Hi, and welcome to another edition of Transit Unplugged In-Depth. This is the second of three special episodes brought to you live from APTA Expo 2021 that Paul and I recorded while we were down in Florida. And this episode was the big one. This was the live CEO roundtable and panel of the five top women leaders in transit today. We're happy to have Nadine Lee, CEO of Dallas Dart, Leslie Richards, CEO of SEPTA, Lauren Skyver, CEO of Sunline Transit, MJ Maynard, CEO of RTC of Southern Nevada, and Bakara Sanderson-Malden, Chief of Staff of the Memphis Area Transit Authority. This was an amazing and inspirational panel for everyone who attended. Hundreds of people were gathered around the Vontas Trapeze booth to listen to this. So here's your chance to listen to Paul Comfort interview five of the top women leaders in transit today on Transit Unplugged In-Depth. I'm Paul Comfort. Great to have you with us on kind of a vision we've had for a while. As you know, the Transit Unplugged podcast has swept the world. Trapeze's podcast that has now heard in the 100 countries where we interview leading CEOs from around the world. Today is our fourth anniversary of the show. So you're part of a very exciting day. Thank you for being here. We thought we'd mark this day with kind of an historic event. Uh, I recently did a podcast with five of the women leaders from Australia. They called me and said, Paul, we'd love to do a webinar with you with some of the most powerful women in Australia transit. So we did it, and it was uh, very well received all around the world. And I thought, we should do it with some of my friends here in the United States. And so we pulled together a group of five of the most powerful women in transit. As you probably are aware, this last year or two, it seems like maybe three-fourths of the CEO jobs that have been out there have gone to women. I think the, the nation is finally waking up to the fact that this is pretty awesome. So I'm super excited today to bring this to you with our five women CEOs, all of whom are great friends of mine, have been in the industry a long time and are real leaders in the industry. Are you ready now for our live CEO roundtable with five of the most powerful women in transit? But I want to introduce, we have a new general manager, and it's a woman, and I thought, why not have my good friend Teresa Domingo open us up? So Teresa, our new general manager, Trapeze, let's welcome her. Thank you, Paul. A pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited. As soon as Paul came up with the idea, I said it's inspiring already. You know, 15 years ago, being the only woman in the room um, was a challenge. But now we're in a place and we're in a world that's recognizing equity and inclusion. And diversity around the table is going to yield so many benefits for our industry and for people and for moving people. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Um, Paul, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Thank you, Teresa. She's great, too. Great general manager of the company. If you haven't met her, make sure you meet her before the end of the show. She's awesome. All right. Are we ready to get going? I'm excited. I can't wait. So let's get our team announced, and we'll welcome everybody. First off, we start down here at the end. Nadine Lee, the new CEO of Dallas Dart. Leslie Richards, CEO of SEPTA in Philadelphia. And then my good friend, Bakara Malden, who's chief of staff in Memphis, Tennessee, with my buddy Gary. And my career counselor, Lauren Skyver, CEO of Sunline Transit in Coachella Valley, Southern California, who sells hydrogen onto the market. Amazing. I got to tour her hydrogen plant a couple years ago before the lockdown. Just phenomenal. What a great pioneer. So happy that you're here with us today. And then my great friend, MJ Maynard, CEO, and she runs everything in Las Vegas. Actually, 
She actually used to run the Hard Rock while she was there before she came here. So MJ is CEO officially of the Regional Transportation Commission of Southern Nevada, which does a lot more than transit, which we're going to find out about. So thank you, ladies, for being here. So excited to have you. So let me ask you just to get started. Um, we'll just go right down the line to get started. MJ, tell us a little about yourself and what you do. So uh, as Paul mentioned, I, I guess you can hear me okay. Okay. Um, yes, I'm the CEO of the Regional Tra Transportation Commission. We uh, wear a lot of hats. We are not only the public transit provider, we are also the Metropolitan Planning Organization. And as such, we work closely with all the local jurisdictions to fund and plan all of the roadway infrastructure in Southern Nevada. Uh, we are the traffic manager for the region. Usually I hear a big boo, hiss when I tell people that. Uh, we also are plan, we are the regional transportation planning agency uh, for Southern Nevada. And then we uh, implemented and operate the bike share program in downtown Las Vegas. That's good. Yes. I just want to make sure I can hear you. Okay. I can hear you. I do. That's good. They're right on the edge of feedback. <laughs> All right. Lauren Skyver, tell us about yourself and what you do. Well, um, Sunline, I, an ode to CJ, I call the biggest little transit agency in the country. Um, we are a small transit agency, but we have the biggest footprint in zero emission technology. And have really bought battery electric and hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles and the use of them in transit to all of us. And, and there's many mandates that are, are making that happen now. I want to say I started out as a maintenance clerk at Hart in Hillsboro area regional transit at 11 bucks an hour. And so I always tell people this really is a business and an industry where you can be anything you want to be. You're up to you're up to 15 an hour now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Minimum wage. Okay. Bakara. Thank you. I am Bakara Sanderson Malden, and I am the chief of staff at the Memphis Area Transit Authority. We, I am so excited about being a part of an outstanding team. Uh, I know this panel is about uh, women CEOs and women leaders, but I have to recognize a phenomenal male leader in my CEO, Gary Rosenfeld. He's not bad. <laughs> well, we've got a, a lot of exciting things going on, millions of dollars in technology, as well as the rollout of a uh, a well-received microtransit program called Ready, as well as Group. Uh, that is just breaking all kinds of ridership records. And so I'm just really excited to be here. Thank you for including me. I got my start in transit as a transit board member. And I know that uh, transit board members don't quite get all of the, uh, look, all of the, the kudos that they should. But I started as a transit board member and I moved from being a transit board member to working within the agency. I've led two agencies and now I'm here as the chief of staff. And so wherever you start, that does not determine where you end up. And so I'm there very excited about this role. All right, thank you. Right. Leslie Richards. Sure. Uh, I'm Leslie Richards. I'm the CEO of SEPTA, the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. Uh, we are the sixth largest transit agency in the United States. Uh, we have six modes. It includes subways, trolleys, buses. Uh, we have uh, commuter rail, our regional rail. We have trackless trolleys. We have a high-speed line, and uh, it has been an honor. I came on in January of 2020, so as you can imagine, it has been a very interesting 22 months since I've been here. Um, I'm inspired by uh, some of my uh, panel members here who have shared where they've come from. So uh, I worked in, uh, at environmental and civil engineering firms. I also was an elected official uh, for a little while, and uh, I got to lead PennDOT, which is the fifth largest DOT in the country uh, for a few years. 
and uh, also uh, on the Turnpike Commission. I was a board member of SEPTA a while back, and uh, now I get to lead SEPTA during this extremely challenging but truly a once-in-a-generation opportunity uh, to help people, connect people, and uh, thrilled to be here. Awesome. And then Nadine Lee, who's the newest CEO. <laughs> yeah. We're excited to have her anchor the panel. Nadine, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Paul. So hi, everybody. I'm Nadine Lee. I'm the CEO of Dallas Area Rapid Transit, which we're still holding on to our title of having the longest light rail system in the country. Um, and we also run a fleet of about 700 buses out on the streets of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We have 13 member cities um, in our service area. And, um, and of course, as you can imagine, Dallas being the largest urban center with a lot of suburban cities that have have uh, obviously have lots of mobility challenges as well, and so the balance of trying to serve uh, a big city with a lot of suburban cities is always always fun. So, um, so just a little bit about my background. Um, I started as or I'm a civil engineer by education. Um, I like to say that I'm a recovering highway engineer, um, and uh, I got into transit in about the mid uh, '90s, um, and and really have never looked back. Um, and interestingly enough, um, I went. Through, I, I started working in the public sector in 2006, um, at which point I was in transit heavily, and, um, and that was where I got my start working in public service, and then eventually went to LA Metro to work in the innovation office. Um, and then as part of the innovation office, then I got tapped to be a chief of staff, and um, that set the course for me to become the CEO now. And so now I'm a very seasoned veteran at about four months in, um, and so <laughs> I'm really excited to see what we're going to be able to do at, at DART, because uh, there's a great staff there, a great board. I'm really excited because there's a lot of power right at DART. And so I'm excited to talk about it more later. Excellent. Isn't that great? All the different career angles and paths to get to the top. But I want to tell you a little bit about what the job is like. Most of you know, I used to be CEO of the MTA in Baltimore, and it's a very different job when you're at the top. And I want to ask them to get real with me and tell me what's your favorite part of the job of being a CEO and your least favorite. MJ? I have a lot of favorites. Oh, I mean, certainly uh, the opportunity to work with the team, the RTC that I, that I work with is, is really one of my favorite parts. They are bold. Uh, they are fearless. They pivot quickly, uh, really smart. So super lucky because obviously I may sit at the top of the org chart, but the organization is what it is, not because of me, but because of them. So uh, they're amazing. And I think, honestly, I think it's serving the public. Uh, as as uh, Paul mentioned, I, I came from the private sector. Uh, I, I stumbled onto transit about 15 years ago just by a chance conversation with a then general manager who I think sometimes when the moon, the stars, and the sun all aligns, uh, you get an opportunity to, to make some uh, decisions that based on timing, luck, and hard work uh, can you know, open up doors for totally different uh, opportunities. I was an executive at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, I actually opened the property. I, I started as a dishwasher, a very important job, when I was a very young person and just, just came to Las Vegas to go to, to uh, UNLV for the program. So I think you're right. Where you start is not where you end up. And so to answer your question, Paul. One more. What's your least favorite part of the job, if you could tell us? I don't know. Uh, least. Um, you're good at the politics. That's a big part of it, I know. Well, so any board members? I love working for, I love working for an elected board. Yeah. I love it. I knew we wouldn't get to the truth. Well, it was so different. You know, in the private sector, you, you have a different, you, you, it's not the same. And I think sometimes uh, so when you're in the private sector, you think the you know, public sector, oh, government employees, easy. No, 
Um, no, uh, the challenges are it's just as challenging, but they're different types of challenges. So certainly, sometimes the least favorite part is, you know, we once the stimulus money runs out, uh, our transit fund is going to face a significant financial deficit. And that keeps me awake at night that uh, two, three years down the road, I'm very concerned about the public that we serve that relies on us to get where they need to go. Uh, it could be some tough decisions that we have to make. So that's probably the least part. All right, I'm going to jump around so it's not always the same. Are you okay with that if I surprise you with a question? All right, um, let's go to Leslie. Leslie, what is, what's like, so you were Secretary of Transportation for the whole state, and you've been on the Turnpike Commission, and now you've done this. I'd be interested in that a little bit, the differences maybe, and then what do you like about your job now? Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's an unusual path. I do want to put in, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom for eight years as well, and it's something... Yeah, yeah, that does deserve that. Yeah, deserve that. that. I mean, maybe, maybe others here have done it as well. I used to never talk about it, but a fellow cabinet member when I was in the governor's cabinet um, said, you know, if you were a guy, you'd be bragging about that, that you actually removed yourself from the workforce, and now look what you're doing. And I said, yeah, brag about you know, who, why, so. yeah, why didn't I... When you say it that way, it sounds really cool, right? So um, so I just want to make sure to talk about it because I agree uh, as we hear about uh, all of our experience. Yeah, anyone can do this, and at any time you can, you can jump in. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm also, just like MJ, very aware of the politics of things and uh, working with 253 bosses, which are the legislature in, wow. uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I learned a lot. And, uh, and then also with the Turnpike, which, where I served with the chair of the SEPTA board. And that's how we uh, became uh, colleagues, I would say. And uh, then when uh, the opportunity uh, to come over to SEPTA uh, came, uh, it was very intriguing because I always enjoyed working on equity issues. You ask what I like the most. And when you can really influence, right, an industry. In fact, a few people came up to me here today at the expo. And they said, we remember when you were um, at AASHTO, which is the, DO, the APTA of, uh, of DOTs, they said, remember you gave a speech that was called the 12 free things you could do to improve diversity. Because I kept hearing that people couldn't afford it. And every time I said, we all have to work on diversity and uh, making sure that there are diverse perspectives at high levels at all of our agencies, I just kept hearing, we don't have the resources, we can't. And uh, one of the things I said is, uh, I'll never take a meeting with a private consulting firm if they don't also bring women along. And the women have to speak at the meeting, right? And I actually forgot I said that. That was about seven years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. And uh, there are a lot of people here that reminded me today. And uh, now in Pennsylvania, that is a rule. Nobody, nobody does that when they deal with transportation. But just, I adopted um, that, by the way, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> you know, And we can do all things working together. So I'll just end it by saying the opportunity at SEPTA of being um, really one-on-one -on -one with communities and taking those messages, that influence that you get, being able to work in disadvantaged communities. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of is, you know, when you can become parts of things that are larger than just getting people from A to B. Uh, so in Philadelphia, we were the first uh, public agency to work with the Black Doctors COVID-19 Consortium, getting testing, getting vaccines, getting medical care into minority neighborhoods. And we were able to do that at SEPTA. So that's uh, a really a, a really great thing and something I really enjoy. I would I, my mind thinks inductively, so I'm always pulling together themes. And as they talk, I'm going to give you a couple themes. What I just heard between these two was, there's a chapter in my first book, Full Throttle, called I Met a Guy. 
And it's the story of every good job I've had started with I met a guy. It wasn't a best friend, right? We all travel in the same circles with our best friends. Your good jobs don't always come from that. But your kind of associates, work associates, you know, MJ might say, I know somebody good. Paul would be good for that. You know, somebody she knows, you know. So just keep that in mind that a lot of times your good jobs come out of somebody you meet, a guy or a gal who, who you know, you know them a little bit and they know you enough to know you're good and they would, wouldn't mind recommending you. Nadine, tell us your story. What do you like most so far? And and uh, I'd like to hear anything you have to say about Josh, actually, over <laughs> back at Ella at the here? office. Yeah, <laughs> I told him to come today. But no, and if you can tell us what your favorite part was and then what was your favorite part of working at the Office of Innovation at LA Metro? That's such a great office. Oh, well, uh, the favorite part of working at LA Metro um, was the fact that LA Metro has purview, kind of like MJ, has purview over all of transportation. I mean, not necessarily authority, right? But influence over all of transportation in the LA County area, which gives you a very different perspective on the role of transit, for example. So so that was really exciting because um, in the innovation office, we could actually take that knowledge and try to do something with it that was really profound and really shifting the paradigm from the way we think about transportation. And I think I can apply that at DART as well, because DART, even though DART's purview is specifically more related to mass transit, um, obviously uh, we need, we need uh, to work with all of our cities in our service area to try to find ways to prioritize buses and make them faster and then put more frequency out on the street. So there are a lot of opportunities with that understanding that I gained from LA Metro to really try to influence how we, how we move people and goods um, within the uh, North Texas region. So that's a little bit broad and macro, but, but to me, that's part of the exciting thing about being in transportation and being at DART and being in a CEO role is that I now have a much... I have a lot more influence over what happens in the region collectively as we all work together to try to solve our mobility problems. And Let me ask you, what's the most, like, so you just got your CEO job three months ago. Anything surprise you, like, that, that isn't what you thought it would be like to be there? In, in Dallas or yeah, at in Dart? Dallas. Yeah, in Dallas, yeah. Um, no, I think my the, so the board when they recruited me were they were very transparent about what the problems are. So I feel like the board was great about just saying, "Hey, here here's <laughs> here's all of our problems." Obviously, there are a few more problems that I uncovered, but but nothing devastating, right? Everything is everything can be resolved. Um, and but but I feel like the board was very transparent. And and to your question about you know favorite things, least favorite things. So my favorite things are really just knowing that everything that we do, if we make all the right decisions. We can actually help a lot of people who really need us. That's that's kind of my my brand, my personal drive, my personal mission of why I'm in transportation, transit in general. That's what I do, and that's what I care about. The thing that I hate the most, um, and I'll just be honest with you, if I have to work late and I miss my ballet class, I get very <laughs> upset. You take ballet. <laughs> I take ballet, wow. and I'm very dedicated. And ballet is my release. It is the thing that I go to do just to decompress. And so that's when awesome. I miss it, I get really mad. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. like a TV show for yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> CEOs and ballet. You should ride Harley Davidsons. And All right. Lauren Skyver. So my favorite part of what I do is people. We're a people business. We move people, and we need people to do it. I think um, I love being able to be in a room and not just be looking at those that are superstars, but seeing the ones that have quiet talent, that aren't always raising their hand, but always delivering something to our organization. And I think when we think about equity and opportunity, not just for women, but people of color and all the communities that make up our transit agencies, we have to start getting back to the people, the people we are and what we serve in moving people. 
and not always looking at opportunity to be those that are the first to raise their hand. I think that's my favorite part is seeing talent and seeing passion in people that comes in all different forms and all different ways of communication. I think my least favorite part of the job is saying no. Um, my motto is it starts with yes. And sometimes I have to say no and um, I'm getting never used to it. Uh, my thing is let's see how we can get to yes versus saying no. Um, and those are my two pol polar ends. Very good, thank you. All right, Bakara. so you've been a board member, you've been a CEO, and you've been a chief of staff. Give us a little bit on that, what you like, what's new, what's different, what you don't like maybe. Well, in, in general, I love having the ability to impact what happens within a community. Um, I'm a community servant, I guess, just intuitively. My, my mother didn't believe in babysitters, so she would take me with her to all the community meetings that she used to go to. So it was just natural that I ended up in a profession that allowed me to work with the community. And so that's why I really, really have relished the opportunity to serve the people, to work in public agencies, to be able to impact economic development, drive community development, convince people that transit really is that vehicle that connects people to opportunity. So that's really one of my favorite things. And then also to, to have the ability to directly impact the lives of employees, um, especially over the last 12 months or so, um, you know, working with the employees, you know, their families are our families and being able to to help someone achieve their goals and their dreams that's really important to me as well now at the same time that's one of my least favorite things there's a saying heavy is the head that wears the crown you know sometimes we have to make as leaders decisions that aren't easy and those decisions impact you know, it's not just one employee, it's that employee, their children, their family, whatever. And, and as leaders in the transit industry over the last few months with COVID, we've had to face some difficult decisions. And so that's, I think that's my least favorite part of the job. That's good. Thank you for being, that's, I, I agree with you. HR stuff, all that, all the issues we've had to do, that's great. Isn't that a great, great feedback on all that? Wonderful. One of the cool things they've all mentioned is the ability to make a difference in their community. So the question I have for them now is, what's the most exciting project that you're working on now? And I'm going to start at the end and just come right down. So Nadine, what's the most exciting project you're working on right now at DART? Okay, I'm, I'm going to take the liberty to tell you about two of the most exciting things all at DART. Right, of course. <laughs> uh, because I can. Um, so <laughs> the first thing is DART Zoom, which is a complete restructure of our bus network, which is launching on January 24th. Uh, as I tell our staff at DART, uh, we're planning a wedding. We want it to be perfect uh, on launch day, but the whole idea here is that we're restructuring the bus network so that we can actually serve people better, uh, serve, serve people better than we have in the past. We think we're, we've captured the right market. We've got the right uh, network structure. We've got right, the right service levels. And if we really do our job right and continue to build on that, we will completely change the way people move in the Dallas-Fort Worth region, which is super exciting. The second thing I'll talk about is that we're, we, uh, me and the staff and the board are working on a rider experience, vision, and philosophy. 
that will ultimately become a roadmap for us to um, figure out what investments we need to make to improve the rider experience. And the whole concept behind this is that we need to make a commitment to our riders on how we want them to experience their journeys. And that's not rocket science, but I think um, if we do that, we can actually uh, we can actually tell our riders what we're going to do, and then they can hold us accountable to it. And so I really want us to change and, and really shift our thinking so that we're using the customer satisfaction uh, as the basis for everything that we do. And I think by doing that, we're going to see a lot more success, a lot more riders using the system. And, and I think it's just one of those things that has been very needed, uh, but we just need to actually get it out the door. So I'm really excited about that. I think we're really going to change the way people look at transit in the Dallas region. And, um, and I hope, I, I mean, in the next couple of years, we'll see what happens. That's right. That's a great. Thank you. All right. Laura, what do you got going there? SEPTA, what's awesome? Um, lots, Leslie, sorry. Lots yeah. to be excited about. Lots yeah, to be excited about. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to take from Nadine. I'm going to kind of put two things together. <laughs> um, so we, in the middle of the pandemic, did a really uh, bold strategic plan, which includes a bus network redesign, reimagining our regional rail and entire wayfinding and signage. So people look at our system as a system. And not just as a, I'm a bus rider, I'm a subway rider, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a train uh, rider. And so that is really going to change SEPTA and how people use our system and the type of service that we can provide. And they all have um, really robust uh, public involvement, again, uh, with uh, the customers truly being involved, obviously, our employees and, and just the region we serve. And even those who don't use our, our service uh, are, are part of uh, our plan. So we're really excited about that. And then the second thing that we're doing right now, and it's really come from the p pandemic, and that is how um, we are helping the vulnerable population. So those uh, who are experiencing homelessness, addicted uh, to drugs and opioids, uh, uh, you know, have mental health challenges. Um, there are, you know, a lot of issues in the, in the Philadelphia region right now. And we are the largest, poorest city in the entire country. And so I know the pandemic has hit everyone her hard and it's hit us very hard. Uh, but what we are doing is we are uh, have a co-responders team with our police, with social service, uh, social workers, with um, addiction specialists. Uh, we have medical students. Schools have come to partner with us. Other um, nonprofits have come to partner with us. Uh, community organizations. We now have platform attendants. We have elevator attendants. We have um, medical students who are help providing care. Uh, we have um, our police that are helping, uh, but also helping with the relationship of police in the community, which needs a lot of help right now. And so I'm very proud of it, and um, uh, we're expanding it, and uh, I'm sure it's going to become uh, a national model, and we're happy to talk to our other uh, agents to help them with this overarching uh, and, and, and extremely overwhelming issue. And uh, uh, our, our mayor likes to say it, and I, I truly believe it, that transit is the part of so many solutions. And so we want to be part of those solutions. Excellent. All right, Bakara, what's, what's the coolest thing you're working on right now? It's really hard to just identify one. This is an amazing time to be in transit in Memphis. There's just so much going on. Uh, we recently introduced a new microtransit program called Ready. Uh, as I alluded to, it's breaking all kinds of ridership records. But the, the important thing about that is we are changing the dialogue around mobility 
within the Memphis region. We're giving people options that they've not had before. And that, of course, presents itself a set of challenges as well because we are having to educate the public on how to use microtransit, what microtransit is, but we are getting overwhelmingly great response to it. So much so that we're expanding to additional uh, zones as well. We're bringing on new technology that's gonna help fuel that even more. Uh, we've got a new next generation fare payment system that is not only going to join us in changing the dialogue around physically how we move around, but how we pay for it. What can we pay for using our, our fare passes? And so it's, it's just really exciting. And that's just a short snippet of what to see from Memphis in the future. That's great. Awesome. Is Graceland open now still? Is it back open? I don't know yet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Another good reason to go there. Go to Graceland and then ride Gary's bus and, and uh, their bus service. Yeah. All right, Lauren. You got so many things happening, but come on, pick one or two for so me. So I've got to narrow it down. Um, the first that comes to mind is Sunline's building the first zero emission and renewable energy trades school on its property. How about that? So we are building the West Coast Center of Excellence, which will all be focused on training for our technicians and, and staff on how zero emission technology works and what's happening in renewable energy. Um, and I think that trade schools have to come back. Um, we do value uh, college education, but for equity, we have to have other pathways for new employees and people that want to get into transit to enter into our workforce. And we feel very strongly about that. Um, the second is Sunline's commitment to diversity and inclusion. We've signed up for the pilot program that APTA is running. And we're really focused on how do we get operators and those in the collective bargaining groups that we generally don't pull up unless somehow they get our attention. How do we start seeing that talent in our organization and pulling it into our management, our supervision, and then our C-suite um, talent pool? Um, I think we all have to look at that. And then four big hydrogen projects. As I told you guys before, we are very big in hydrogen and zero emission. And so there's lots to do. I'll be busy. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? All right. MJ, what's happening in Vegas? And it shouldn't stay in Vegas. You need to tell all of us here. Yeah. So I'll be quick. Uh, so we are um, working on a, a bus rapid transit project in a very busy corridor in uh, Las Vegas on Maryland Parkway. Uh, we are knee deep in uh, implementing a autonomous vehicle shuttle. It's a program, not a pilot. It's a program in downtown Las Vegas. We are also, as a traffic manager, we are going to take our adaptive signal control technology, which helps congestion moves cars along more quickly. And we're really we're going to be big and bold and try that in, on the Las Vegas Strip. If you've been on Las Vegas Strip, it's a it's a beast uh, to move around. And then we're introducing a microtransit pilot, but I think we're taking a different approach. It's sort of our, our love all serve all model. So this universal model where we are not we're not we're we're not going to put somebody that's a paratransit customer. And, and carve them out and put them in a small bus. So this on-demand vehicle will pick up fixed truck customers on demand at their home within 30 minutes. We'll take them wherever they need to go in this 32 mile square zone, or we'll connect them to our transit service. On that same bus, we'll pick up a paired transit customer that uh, from their home within 30 minutes, and then take them anywhere they need to go in the, in the Las Vegas Valley. And then we're, we're working with our school district because uh, everyone's short, driver shortage is a real thing, especially in the school district. So now we're picking up high school students at home and taking them to, uh, to high school and then back. So it, again, it's 
we, I think we've done a disservice to folks that are uh, from the disabled community. We, we sort of put a, this, we, this stigma on them and say, you're all in the small bus and everybody else is on the fixture out bus. Well, we, we again are taking this universal love all, serve all approach and it's enhanced the customer experience. Uh, it's been very, very efficient. We're, we're stretching that tax dollar. That's awesome. So what are the themes you've heard here on the projects? Microtransit, uh, zero emission buses, equity and inclusion, and people are still rebooting their bus routes. And so now, because the, um, the work patterns are changing, right? A lot of us have been working from home, and now we're not coming back five days a week. It's going to be hybrid. So the routes and how we're serving people are changing definitely. The fairing models are changing, right? Because you don't want to just sell passes for five day a week. You want to be able to sell passes for maybe three day a week and do fare capping, all that kind of stuff. That's what's happening right now. People are changing their fixed route bus routes to model what the current patterns are. We don't have the peak of the peak in the AM and PM anymore. A lot of people are super happy about that. Around the world, by the way, London, Singapore, they've all told me, I'm so glad we don't have the peak of the peak anymore. Jeremy Yap told me that from Singapore. He said, we had to put so many buses on the road at an hour or two a day to get that extra peak of everybody coming home. Now we're able to take those resources and spread them through the whole day and serve more people and start new things like microtransit pilots and stuff. And the new money coming out of D.C., that's what MJ did. She used her ARPA money to start microtransit and change the fixed routes to high frequency. That's something that's still happening, right? That's when the bus comes every 10 or 15 minutes, just like a train. You don't have to look at your paper schedule. You don't have to look at anything. You just stand there. The bus will be there in theory in 10 to 15 minutes and hopefully in practice too. These are the hot trends that are happening right now. And these ladies are helping lead the industry and implementing them in some of the major cities. Very exciting time. Great work. We still got a few more minutes. I just wanted to summarize it all up for you there. Now, Let's flip a little bit, and I'd like you to give me maybe some advice that you have for a young person or a young woman, maybe, who wants to move up in her career in transit. Traditionally, as you know, I remember, I've been doing Aptus stuff for 30 years. I remember coming to these meetings when it was, come on, right? White man, 50 years old and older. That's who was running this industry. And uh, I happen to be one of them now. <laughs> but, uh, but I wasn't then. I was a kid, and I was always looking up to all these guys, you know. But now it's a very diverse potpourri of uh, whatever, I don't know what the right word to use is, but it's very exciting. You know, every gender, every race, everything, it's awesome. But I, I still want to make sure there's a good path, pathway. You've all talked about it a little bit. Let's talk a little bit more about any advice you might give to a young woman here or who's watching this TV show about how she might move up in the industry. MJ? So I think women, we are our own harshest critic. And I, uh, I think we, we feel the need to know the entire job, 100%, or we, will, we won't go for it, right? We don't think I can't go for that promotion because I don't fully know the job. So my advice is to, no, don't let yeah. fear. Uh, so I'd say, don't let the fear of the unknown guide your decision making. Uh, and I also, and I didn't, I didn't make this up. We use this as sort of our, our north star at the RTC. Without facts and data, you're just another person with an opinion. So know your stuff. Be curious. Learn every single day. And I'd say find mentors, and because they're not necessarily going to come to you. Uh, seek, seek out folks, uh, men and women, that will give you advice and keep you in check. Uh, call you out when you need it. And, uh, and just believe in yourself. That's excellent. Lauren is my, my career coach. I've told you that. She's given me great guidance over the years. Lauren, what's your advice? So all of us have a passion and purpose, and especially women, we've always had to kind of keep that, as Leslie said, away from the workplace. Understand who you are as a whole person and bring that whole person to work. If it's music, if it's humor, if it's religion, whatever, that's all a part of who you are in your quality world. 
And your quality world matters in us solving problems and delivering good service and being tolerant of each other. The more we stop talking about what our quality worlds really are and understanding that it's okay to know people beyond their resume, the better we will get as teams, the more effective we will get to support each other, and the happier our employees will be at the workplace. That's right. You ever heard that thing where they say they don't care how much you know till they know how much you care? I'm telling you, from the top, it makes a difference. And all these ladies exhibit that. I've seen that. We've got the same thing at our company. Guys like Mark Miller and Rod Jones back here. Rod, you want to say hi? Rod's our new big boss at Medaxo. Thanks for being here, Rod. But these guys care about people, right? What do we want? I mean, in the human heart, what we really want is significance. That's what's driving most people. That's what all the big egos are about, right? People want to talk about their significance. And that's people who are trying to move up the ladder. I want my life to mean something. I want my life to be part of something bigger than me. I want significance. When you move up these roles, you need to be sharing just what she said, more than just the work. There's nothing wrong with caring about people individually as a person, caring about their family, caring about what's going on in their lives. You will build such a team with you. When you share with them, you become like foxhole buddies, right? When you're under fire and you're together there and you're working together as a team, you're going to build a team with you that you can take with you wherever you go in your career and that will help each other. Isn't that right, Picard? You and I are like that, aren't we? We absolutely are like that. We absolutely are. Uh, One of the things I was going to say is, you can't be afraid to go out and to network. Networking is so important. When I first started working with this organization, with APTA, I used to challenge myself to just go up and talk to five people that I didn't even know. And then five would then turn into 10, and then 10 would turn into 20. And next thing you know, you know everyone in the room. And that, and it feels that way sometimes. So that that's one piece of advice. But I want to get back to the fundamentals. Fundamentally, I've always believed that you should bloom where you're planted. If you want to go somewhere, you've got to bloom where you're planted because your gift will make room for you. I'm a witness. It will every time. And then if you're blessed to get that leadership position, remember to do what's right, not what's easy. Wow, that's good advice. That is good. I think think I'm still... uh... That might get you fired, too, but I can, I'm a witness of that. But, but you know what? You'll have integrity. All right. All right, Leslie. Yeah, I know. Great advice. Um, uh, I, use, use your voice. So if you're in a meeting, if you've been invited to sit around a decision-making table, speak up. Don't ever question that you don't have anything important to say. Young women ask me that all the time. And you have a perspective that is really unique. And you bring all of your experience with you. And so no one has seen this problem through your eyes, whether you live in a rural community or an urban community or whether you've had hardships in your life or you have family members, uh, someone with a disability that you help care, whatever it is, um, you have that voice. And um, I got a great, you asked for great advice. So I got a great piece of advice when I was an elected official and I was the only female um, on, uh, at this level and uh, there was a prison break. So the guys that I served with were talking about prison reform and, and um, officers and you know, security and I had never really dealt in this issue before so I just didn't say anything. And a reporter came up to me afterwards and said, don't you realize every time you speak, you have a voice that no one's ever heard from because we've never had a female in this role before and we've never heard it through your eyes. 
So, That's good. So even if it's the same thing, it's, it's okay to repeat something in your own voice because it will come across differently and it will re resonate with people differently. That's great. Thank you. Nadine. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, be very unapologetic for who you are. Um, and this is a variation on a theme that you've already heard here with several of the speakers. But, you know, your voice may be the only one, just like Leslie said, maybe the only one that sheds light on where we should be going, right? Um, so, so never apologize for that. I spent so many years of my career thinking about how I should be like somebody else, only to realize later that, you know, I'm okay with who I am, you know? And, and actually, who I am is what makes me, you know makes me contribute in a different way and makes me more successful. So I can't be like somebody else. And then the other thing I would say is don't overthink things and don't look back. Because people ask me all the time, what would, you know, if you could change something about your career path, what would it be? And I always tell them I would change nothing because if I changed even one thing, I wouldn't be exactly where I am right now. And so don't overthink it, don't look back. You know, if you're gonna learn a lesson, um, then learn it fast and move on. That's good. You have something you wanted to add to that? You look like you were nodding your head. Oh, I, I was just being a witness, saying yes, yes. Yeah. Someone once said to me, and it stuck with me, be yourself, because you're really going to suck at being someone else. <laughs> That's true, right? Everybody is individually unique, and we need all of those colors and all of those different viewpoints. One guy told me one time, it's a great analogy for me. So here, I got words on a piece of paper, right? But if I hold it up, you see the back of it, and you see blank. And I say, I see those words there. And you're like, there's nothing on that piece of paper. We can get into a big argument about looking at the same freaking thing. So you got to remember that this is why diversity and inclusion is important. Because the people we serve are diverse and inclusive, and we need to see and hear all the voices to make sure that we're providing the service levels for them that they need. Because what are we doing this for? I mean, you know, Aaron and I have talked about this, where what are we doing? Why are we in this business? I think all of us share the same reason, right? You don't get into public service to make a lot of money. But you're here to make a difference. You want, like we said before, we want to serve people. What better career choice is there than a, than a career like public transportation where you can actually make a difference, a real difference, in hundreds of thousands of people's lives every single day? You go home feeling like your heart is full. One of the ways we're doing that is through technology. Public transportation is becoming one of the coolest things going anywhere in the world, right? Like autonomous vehicles, high-speed rail, all the new technology, you know, uh, machine learning, all that stuff. So I want the last main question I want to ask you is, what new technology is exciting you right now? You know, what, do you, what would you like to get? What's exciting? What do you see? Because tech is where it's at. And I'm, you know, I work in a tech company, but it is the truth. It's what's happening. This is how we're going to serve so many people. What's the most exciting thing you like tech-wise now? I, I mean, we, we do so much technology. I think it's all exciting. I'm, we're super excited about just using artificial intelligence and predictive analytics uh, to improve uh, safety and congestion and response time and avoidance of primary crashes on our highway system. It's, uh, it's fascinating, and it's, I think, uh, as someone that was very near and dear to my heart, my previous CEO, Tina Cooley used to say that technology is the new asphalt, and, and that's, that's very true. So it's using technology to look for ways that uh, save lives, uh, reduce our carbon footprint, and uh, that's probably what I'm super excited about right now. So MJ and her team are our guests on tomorrow's Fresh Podcast, Transit Unplugged. 
They've got, and to just give them one second about that building you've got where you've got it all together. You know, you've got highways and transit and all. Yeah, tell them about that. This is awesome. We, because as the traffic manager, we co-locate uh, with the Nevada Highway Patrol, the Nevada Department, or the Nevada of Public Safety. And so it's a, it's a big, ginormous fishbowl. And we are covering uh, by way of cameras, uh, all of the all of the the roadways, the traffic, and so back in the in the old days, think of the soup can and the string, the soup can. So high, highway patrol would they'd get a call, hey, there's an accident, and then they'd be like, hey, RTC, there's an accident. Hey, let Nevada Department of Public Safety know. Uh, now we're all getting the information in real time at the same time, uh, even from some crowdsourced information. So uh, it's it's a great partnership, uh, but it, it's. Uh, New Year, on New Year's Eve in Las Vegas, every, all the first responders are there because it's just a bird's eye view of the entire valley on a, a huge wall where yeah, we are managing it's, traffic. It's phenomenal. We're going to show you some of it on our TV show. This is our first episode of Transit Unplugged TV. It's going to be our visit to Vegas. You'll get to see some of it. It's great. All right, you've got so many cool things going. What's Well, I like to say uh, Sunline is a technology company that provides a transit system. So we have to start thinking of ourselves that way. Um, because we employ so many systems and we have so much that we have to monitor. We also have to understand that all the data that we're collecting that is no longer relevant, which is a big job, right? We've been collecting data before data was collected in a lot of areas. And so we're really working on refining our data, looking at our metrics and trying to grow some of our reliability metrics and what we're doing to the next gen level of really being purposeful. And then the other is, um, as you heard me talking about building this school, we believe for every investment in technology, transit has to make an investment in training, and we're not good at that. We typically train people by training one person with privilege or gets to go, and that person has to train everyone else in our organization. We have to start prioritizing training and access to training for all of our employees. That's beautiful. Bakara? Well, I've already talked about the microtransit technology as well as the next generation fare system, uh, fare system. But I think really what I'm most excited about is the predictive analytics that relate to communications that helps us to target our marketing. I think overall as an industry, we don't tell our story. Our stories get told by the people that have problems with the services that we're providing. And those predictive analytics allow us to do targeted marketing so that we can tell our story in the right way to the right people. And so I'm excited about the opportunity that we're going to have in Memphis to tell them about all of those wonderful and exciting things that we have coming down the pipe. That's awesome. Leslie? Uh, well, I'm excited about everything uh, yeah. that's been mentioned. Uh, also on the theme of safety and, and, and security, I'm excited about IT that makes us as a community when we take uh, public transit. So first of all, making it really easy uh, to use mobile ticketing, you know, being able uh, just to hop on and, and go from mode to mode. But also once you're on the system, making it easier to use so you feel safe and you're secure. You know where you're going. You know where you need to go and know that you're not going to get lost because that is that is definitely uh, an issue on a big legacy system um, like ours. And then also um, just to connecting everybody, making everybody aware of their surroundings and let's keep each other safe as a community. So we have a transit watch app. I know a lot of transit agencies have that now. If you see something unusual, if you're not sure what you're seeing, you know, report it. You can report it discreetly and that way you can keep everybody safe and um, those who are trained um, 
whether you have transit police or whether you have security uh, available to you, they can then come and, and take care of the situation. If we can keep everybody safe and everybody moving so that everyone can go where they want to go, when they want to go there, um, it'll, it'll all be better for all of us. That's great. Nadine? So vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications. I'm really excited about the prospect of a bus driving down the lane and cars giving, away, giving way automatically to that bus to create the virtual bus lane and give, give that bus priority. I know this was already being studied and researched in Singapore at least a couple of years ago. I'm not sure where that technology is yet, but, um, but I know it's the future and I know it's going to happen. And when it comes, I'm ready to take advantage of it. There you go. <laughs> That's exciting. What do you think, huh? What a great panel. And thank you again, ladies, for giving us a great view of leadership at the top. Wasn't that great? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged in Depth. I hope you found this panel discussion as interesting, insightful, and inspirational as everyone in the audience did. Next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we'll have the third of our special episodes that we recorded live at APTA Expo 2021. We'll have Jane Grog director of the Sarasota County Area Transit talking about how her transit agency weathered the storm of the pandemic and is bouncing back better than ever. If you have questions, comments, feedback, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, email us anytime at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.